here's something to ponder. Could it be that people don't come to Jesus because they're not brought to him? Times have changed. We're in a moment right now that I think this is extremely relevant for us. That people are, have not been banging down the church doors to get to Jesus. But here's the deal. People do not necessarily come to Jesus. They are brought to Jesus. And that's what we need to hear in this hour. We are people that instead of trying to just get more for ourselves from Jesus, knowing that we have received, we're out here going to get our friends or the people around us and bringing them to Jesus. Welcome to this edition of Ignite Global Radio with Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben is the lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. Desperate times call for desperate measures. Are we willing to do whatever it takes so people can come to know Jesus? Today, Pastor Ben looks at how a group of friends were willing to do whatever it took to bring their friend to Jesus and shows us how we too can have the same heart for people in our lives. If you'd like more information about Pastor Ben and Ignite Global Radio, head over to our website, igniteglobalradio.org, and if you need to leave early, subscribe to our podcast so you can listen anytime and share this with a friend. Now, here's Pastor Ben with his message, Whatever It Takes, the first of five in his series, Evangelism is for Everyone. I want to share with you in our series, I want to share with you three things. I want to share with you the motivation for evangelism. I want to share with you the message of, the, of evangelism, which is the gospel. And we want to clarify that and we want to simplify that as we share it with people. And I want to talk to you about the methods of evangelism. Our role as followers of Jesus is not only to share this, but it's to do it out of the same heart that God has for us and for the world. And for the world to really hear us, they want to see it inside of us. They want to see that passion. They want to see that realness. They want to see that authenticity, that our heart is for them, just like we see in the beauty of Jesus. Now, we're not Jesus, but we're followers of Jesus. We want to emulate him. We want to reflect him in what we say and do. And we need to be willing to do whatever it takes to bring Jesus to people and people to Jesus. And I get that phrase from this very chapter, from this very passage that I'm going to read with you today. God spared no expense in sending Jesus. We all know that. But here's the question. What are we willing to do to get our friends, our family, our coworkers, our neighbors, and the people of our world to get them to Jesus Christ? What are we willing to do? What we see in Jesus that he is willing to spare no expense. How far are we willing to go? You know, there's a book that I highly don't recommend that you read, but it's a book called The Day That America Told the Truth. I almost don't want to tell you the name of the book, but the author shares some shocking statistics from thousands and thousands of surveys. Now, this is about 20 years ago, so you can imagine it's probably a lot worse today is my assumption. But the question that they asked people when they polled all of these folks is, what would you be willing to do for $10 million? And here's some of the answers. And I know at first it's either shocking and sometimes we giggle, but I don't want any of those things to happen. I just want you to hear thousands and thousands of Americans, what they said. 25% said they would abandon their entire family. I want you to think about that for a minute. 25% of people said they would abandon their entire family for $10 million. 25% said they would abandon their church. 
Maybe that isn't so hard to do in America. 23% said they would become prostitutes for a week or more. 16% said they would give up their American citizenship. 16% said they would leave their spouses. That's just sick as far as I'm concerned. 10% said they would withhold testimony and let a murderer go free. And before we move on, isn't that what we're talking about? The Bible says that we are witnesses, that we are empowered witnesses, and that we actually carry the testimony to set people free eternally. This is what you and I are. We carry a message. We carry a cure, the ability to help people come out of their shackles and into the glorious freedom that was paid for by Jesus Christ himself. And here's 10% of people saying that they would withhold testimony to let a murderer go free. Haven't many of us at times, and I'll admit it, we've withheld testimony from people that could be set free on all the other side. 7% said they would kill a stranger. 3% said they would put their children up for adoption. Now, there are a lot of jokes that we could make, but they pulled these people and these things that were said. And, and here's the reality is materialism, wealth, money. We've seen in our world and in our society just how far people will go in order to do this. What would you be willing to do for $10 million? Would you be willing to walk away from Jesus? Would you be willing to stop going to church? Would you be willing to stop being part of a local community that you've loved so much? Would you be willing to stop reading the Bible? How, how much money would it take to get us to stop doing some of the things that have been so valuable to, to us is our heart for sale. And that's the statement that we want to make is I'm not for sale. I don't care what the money is. I don't care what you're offering me. I'm not for sale. I'm going to do what the word of God says. I'm going to be who God says that I am supposed to be. But let's forget about the $10 million for a second. What would you be willing to do to find a cure for cancer? What would you be willing to do to find world peace or to establish world peace? Maybe even just peace in our country. What would you be willing to do to save a friend's life or a spouse's life or a family member's life? What would you be willing to do? How far would you go? How far would you go in order to help somebody that you know needed to be helped? Desperate times call for desperate measures. And we do need to ask these kinds of questions. If we knew that this would be the cost in order to save someone's life, would we really do it? That's the question that we're actually asking as we approach the topic of evangelism. And I think as we read Luke chapter five, we're gonna find that there's a group of people that were willing to do a whole lot to bring their friend to Jesus. And I believe it's motivation for all of us as we think about evangelism, especially the onset of this conversation. I wanna read with you tonight, Luke chapter five, starting in verse 17. And here's what the Bible says. One day Jesus was teaching and there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. And some men were carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed and they were trying to bring him and set him down in front of Jesus. But not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down through the tiles with his stretcher into the middle of the crowd. Seeing their faith, Jesus said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. The scribes and the Pharisees began to reason saying, who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus, aware of their reasonings, answered and said to them, 
Why are you reasoning in your hearts, which is easier to say your sins have been forgiven or to say, get up and walk, but so that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up and take your mat and your stretcher and go home. Immediately he got up before them and picked up what he'd been lying on and he went home glorifying God. Of course he did. Of course he did. He went home glorifying God. They were all struck with astonishment and began glorifying God. They were filled with fear saying, we have seen remarkable things today. We have seen remarkable things today. There's a lot of incredible things in this passage we could talk about. We could talk about the power of Jesus, the forgiveness that comes from Jesus. We could even talk about the religious leaders surrounding Um, surrounding him and the conflict that they were bringing to his ministry, the things that they were saying among themselves, the plots and how they were going about trying to even take his life, ultimately being able to do that. However, my heart is drawn to these four or three men. We don't know how many there were, but these men that were willing to do what was necessary to get their friend in front of Jesus. And with that, I just want to make some simple observations of this text in the onset of our, of our evangelism conversation, because I believe that in order for us to be those that will bring the gospel of Jesus to people, we've got to have this same motivation, the same heart that I think we see in these men, which we obviously see in the Lord Jesus himself. And the first point that I want to make to you out of this passage is this, people don't come to Jesus, they are brought to Jesus. Listen, when these men heard of Jesus coming to their hometown in Capernaum, they went to get their friend. Now, I, I, this strikes me as interesting because most people, they went to go get their seat at the Jesus conference. Jesus is entering into homes and various places, even when he was preaching open air. And instead of going to get anybody else, most people went to get the front row. Everybody wanted to be at the Jesus conference. Everybody wanted to be sure that they were close to the anointing where the power was flowing because it was present to heal But not these guys. These guys went to get their friend because their friend was paralyzed and he could not come on his own. And this is a very real picture for us. We've got all kinds of friends and family members and coworkers that are literally spiritually paralyzed and they're not gonna make our Bible study. They're not coming to church services. They're not banging on our doors to talk to us about Jesus all the time. And we know this. And times have changed. We're in a moment right now that I think this is extremely relevant for us that people have not been banging down the church doors to get to Jesus. But here's the deal. People do not necessarily come to Jesus. They are brought to Jesus. And that's what we need to hear in this hour. We are people that instead of trying to just get more for ourselves from Jesus, knowing that we have received, we're out here going to get our friends or the people around us and bringing them to Jesus. And we see that very thing in these people right here. It's actually a mindset. It's a mindset that we all need today. Are we thinking about ourselves? Are we thinking about others? Are we thinking about the next thing that we need? Are we thinking about those that are spiritually blind, lame, and paralyzed, that do not know what we know or have what we have? And if we don't go and get them, if we don't go and share with them, if we don't go and bring them, then they're going to stay where they are. The burden from Jesus' own lips is upon his people. He said, go and make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We have to hear that word in our hearts, go. If we don't go, they won't know. 
Come on, somebody. I just rhymed, and you know you got to at least smile. That's the reality. Preach the gospel to all creation. Jesus has called us to go. He did not call us to stay and say, become attractional and watch how everybody will come to you. That is not going to work, and we know that now more than ever. In this season, right now, we are realizing that some of these things have been stripped from us, but what has never been taken from us is the gospel of Jesus that saved us and set us free and has made us a new creation from the inside out. And we are carrying that very message. We understand that. We know that. We walk with that every day of our life, and God is calling us to take what we have and what we know and bring that to other people, bringing Jesus to people and people to Jesus. Don't you just love this picture of these guys that did not, they did not go to get their own seat. They went to go and get their friend. We must be willing to do what it takes to bring Jesus to people and people to Jesus. We've got to be willing to go. This is a profound word that we find in the great commission. The sent ones of God certainly go. The second principle that we see from this passage in Luke chapter five is we must work through the obstacles to get people to Jesus. These four guys or three guys, they got their friend, they went to the house and the Bible says that they couldn't get in because it was packed. Isn't that an amazing picture? They go get their friend, they're excited and they're trying to get through. I want to paint the picture for you. They're trying to get through, but the doorway is blocked. Every seat is taken. There's no way that they can push their way through with a guy that's, that's on a mat or a stretcher and he's paralyzed. And I think it's an amazing thing because instead of just going home or instead of waiting outside, maybe waiting their turn all day, they could have just threw in the towel. They could have said, there's no way that we can change this scenario but somebody in their crew had this incredible idea. And I, I want to meet this guy in heaven. I don't know who he was. I don't know which one that he was. But he was the guy that had this audacious idea. Hey, I think what we ought to do is get on top of the roof and rip a hole in the roof and let down our paralyzed friend in front of Jesus. I want to meet this kind of a guy. And you know that there are people in your life that are like this. There are people that are always trying to scheme and dream about how they can share the gospel with people. Don't you love people like that? And maybe you get annoyed by people like that, but you and I need someone in our company. We need people in our church. We need people around us that are willing to do kind of crazy things in order to get the gospel of Jesus Christ to other people, in order to get people in front of Jesus so that they can see what we see and experience his love and his healing and his transforming power. I want to meet this guy. I mean, I can't even imagine what was in his mind when he was thinking all of that. But I want to tell you, there are going to be some obstacles. If we're going to be people that are going to share our testimony, we're going to share the love of Jesus with people, we're going to share the gospel message, we're going to have some things that are going to be in the way, just like they had. The, the room was packed, the doorway was full, there was no way they were going to get there, but they had to do whatever that it took. And we've got to be willing to do the same thing. What obstacles do we face? Maybe they're internal. Maybe they're fear. Maybe they're anxiety. Maybe we feel like Moses and we have a speech impediment. Maybe we think we're going to sound dumb. Maybe we feel like we're fruitless. Maybe we feel like nobody's going to listen to us. Maybe nobody's ever come to Christ because of our witness or because of our sharing. Maybe all of that has been true, but it doesn't have to be the truth. It doesn't have to be that current narrative of where God is leading us. 
All of that may have been true, but God wants to speak to our lives right here and right now that we've got to embrace up front the obstacles that are going to be in the way. And I feel like there's this false notion and this false idea that if God wants us to share the gospel with people, he's gonna open the door, he's gonna sit someone down, he's gonna put the money in our pocket, he's gonna give us the divine opportunity, he's gonna make the person say yes before we ever open our mouth or say anything. All of this is just gonna pave the way, the street's gonna have gold on it, angels are gonna be singing, and all of that's gonna open up and we're going to know that we know that we know that this is the right moment, the right opportunity, and that God has surely answered our prayers and, th- and this convenient, easy moment is going to happen. That's not true. We act like that's what being spirit-led is. Well, if I just feel led by the spirit, come on, somebody, if I just, if I just feel led, you know, when's the last time you felt led? And we used to say this, and I've said this to you before, but if you want to feel lead, go to the store, buy a couple pieces of lead, put it in your pocket, and every time you want to feel it, go ahead and stick your hands in your pocket, feel lead, and just share the love of Jesus with people. You know what I'm talking about? That's the kind of people that we need to be. We need to be the kind of people that got lead in our pockets. We always feel lead. Every time we need to feel lead, we feel lead. Why? Because we are filled with the Spirit. God wants us, has called us to share what we know. We don't have to share more than we know. We don't have to be more than we are, but we can be where we are and we can share what we know. There will be obstacles in the way. And that does not mean that that is not God's opportunity for us. Because when our heart is compelled, when it's full of love, when we see people and our eyes are open and we desire for them to know the Lord Jesus, we don't have to speak down to anybody We don't have to make anybody feel bad, but what we do is we want to make sure that if it costs us something, that we don't lose an opportunity that we, that God could have given us in those moments. To me, this is what compels me. I'm not an evangelist, but I evangelize. I'm not the most fruitful evangelist or evangelistic person, but we as a church are evangelistic. It is the mission of Christ for us to do this and obstacles are going to come. I remember one time I was getting my hair cut and I go to sports clips. And the reason is because it's, it's just really fast. I like to on, get an online appointment. Boom. I book the appointment. I go down there and in 20 minutes, I don't have much hair. So it's like, da, 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 boom, done. That haircut's over with, you know, just a six on top and a half on the sides and we're good to go. If you just blend it enough, nobody will ever see that you made a mistake. So you kind of can't do my hair wrong, but I like to get my haircut at these type of places. And when you do, you meet somebody new almost every time because they have so many people working there. And if you go there enough times, you kind of get around the circle and you get to know everybody to a degree. And so at this particular place where I get my haircut, I had known most of the gals that worked there. There were no men there, just, just women. And so I'd met them and tried to get to know their names. And then I'd be shifted to another person in two weeks and so on and so forth. But there was this one gal and I just decide that if I'm going to sit in your chair and pay you to cut my hair, that you're going to have to listen to me when you say, how are you doing? And what's going on in your life? And what are you up to this weekend? I'm just going to flat out tell you. Why not? There's no reason to hide. Best, worst thing you could do is make my hair not look as good. And again, I don't have much hair, so that's not really that big of a deal. But anyways, I'm there and I'm sitting in this gal's chair. That rhyme, did you see that? Did you, I was a, that's powerful. I was there sitting in her chair and you know what was about to happen. I made a decision on that day just to share miracle stories. Sometimes I do that. When I don't know somebody, I don't go right in and just say, hey, Jesus died, he rose again for the forgiveness of sin so you could be right. I don't go into all that right away. What I do is I just share stories. I like to share about what God has done 
in my life and around my life. And so I was just talking about miracles that God has done. And the more I began to talk, I remember she said, oh, I got goosebumps right now. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's God. He touches, our, he touches our bodies. Some people call those the glory bumps. I didn't say that to her, but you know what I'm saying. You get goosebumps. Oh, I got glory bumps. Anyways, that was just a joke. But she said, oh, I got goosebumps. And as I'm talking to her about God delivering people, and it was on this story about deliverance when I was in another country and I saw God do something miraculously, she said, I need you to talk to my sister. Now, remember, the gal cutting my hair is not a Christian. She says to me, I need you to talk to my sister. And I said, well, what's going on? She began to unfold this story about her sister being tormented by some kind of spirit. She said, do you think that you could pray for her? and that she would get free of this or get better. And I said, well, I know if I pray for her, she's gonna get better, but do you think she would let me pray for her? And she goes, yeah, as long as you don't preach at her. What was amazing to me is that she had just listened to me for about 15 minutes and she didn't feel preached at, but you know, I was preaching some Jesus healing, delivering manifestation type stuff to her and we weren't getting to the gospel yet, but that was soon in coming. So anyways, I said, hey, I would just love to talk to her about who I believe in and what he does and I would be glad to pray for her. And so anyways, she gives me her email address. I email, she emails me, and then I email her back, no response. I email her again. I mean, back and forth, back and forth. Nothing's really happening. I go to get my hair cut. She's not there. I forget about it because life moves on and we keep doing what we're doing. So I just remember the Holy Spirit, I think, put it in my mind to email her again. So this is like the third time. And she finally emails me again. And this was like with urgency, like, Ben. Pastor Ben, will you meet with my sister? And I said, yes, I already told you, yes, lady. So she ends up getting her sister my information. Now, I think a couple of weeks had gone by, I didn't hear from her. And finally, I guess in, in a last ditch effort and very desperate situation, her sister contacts me. And so I just said, hey, I would love to get together with you. Can you come to the church? She said, I, I won't come to a church. I said, well, ma'am, I, I can't come to your house. I just don't do stuff. I don't make house calls, you know, like that. And I said it in a way that somebody that doesn't believe would understand without me looking weird. But anyways, I told her, I can't do that. Would you be willing to come to the church? And so we kind of negotiated that. And finally, she ends up saying, yes, I'll come to the church. But this whole sentiment of you can't preach to me. So anyways, I'm, I'm gonna preach to her anyway. She comes in and she, anyway, I won't tell you the whole story because it's just crazy. She comes in, she sits down, she's super uncomfortable. There's clearly something demonic, okay? So she explains the situation that's going on and it's all external in her mind. Like a demon is manifesting in her house, banging stuff, pushing stuff over, lights are turning on and off, all of the scary stuff, you know, all the stuff you see in a Hollywood horror flick, all that stuff. And I said, you know, can I just share with you what I know will actually remove all of this darkness from your life. And she literally says to me, do not preach to me. I don't mind listening to you, but do not preach to me. I said, well, ma'am, listen, I cannot just tell you about the power. I have to tell you about the person for which the power is attached to. And so she says, fine. So for about 15 minutes, I shared with her my testimony about coming to Christ and what he did for me. And I included the cross and the resurrection, and I just made simple sense of it, which I'm gonna share with you how to say all that in a shorter amount of time so that people can, can make sense of what you're saying. I share all that with her. I said, does that make sense to you? She says, yes. I said, would you like to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? And she says, I'm not ready to do that right now, but I've never heard any of this put like that. So she told me, I've never heard a Christian share your message like this before. It never made sense to me like this. So I was like, well, that's a win for the kingdom. 
But anyways, I said, well, let me just go ahead and pray for you. So I put my hand on her shoulder. And as I prayed, she did what people do sometimes. They manifest and all of that. And it was really just kind of a powerful moment. Now, I did tell her before she left, just so you know the end of the story. Everybody always wants to know the end of the story. I did tell her that it's one battle to get free and it's another battle to stay free. Once I was done praying over her and all of that, I knew that you can have initial deliverance and not have eventual freedom because you need to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. 20% of deliverance happens through prayer. 80% happens through discipleship. And it starts with submitting to his Lordship in our life. I said all that to her and she went on her way And I ended up seeing her sister again and on goes the story. But my point is that, listen, if you're gonna share the gospel with people and you're gonna seek to bring Jesus to people and people to Jesus, you're gonna have obstacles. I can't tell you how many back and forth I had with these two sisters, but it was a ton to the point where I forgot about all of it. I forgot to interact with them. I forgot to go back to them. I forgot what her name was, all of that. There were just obstacles in the way. But the Holy Spirit will remind us to overcome these obstacles and make sure that we get to people because the message of the gospel needs to go forward that people's lives could be changed eternally. This is what he wants us to do and he is leading us this way time and time again. The third principle that we see here from this passage in Luke chapter five is Jesus sees and responds to our faith for other people. Jesus sees and responds to our faith for other people. When the men lowered their friend down, the scripture says, Jesus seeing their faith, faith looks like something. It has action attached to it. Jesus saw not their faith for themselves. Jesus saw their faith for their friends, seeing their faith. I I just want to, again, bring you back to this picture. They're lowering their friend down through a hole in the roof somebody else's house. If you opened up a hole in my roof to lower somebody down, I would be thinking, who the heck are you? And why did you just rip a hole in my house? Their faith brought them to this kind of an action that just doesn't really make sense to us, but it's radical in nature because that they had this motivation inside them that compelled them to move past their obstacles because their faith was such that they knew this is what they had to do. They knew this is what they had to do. So powerful and it's so important. And Jesus saw their faith and he responded to their faith. He said, your sins are forgiven. Now, this was not what they expected to hear. This was not what the paralyzed person expected to receive. But he also healed the paralyzed person as well. But I want to remind you that Jesus will respond to our faith. Our faith that says, if I share this then someone might get saved. Jesus responds to that kind of faith. Our faith that says, if I pray for them, they might get healed and meet Jesus. He'll respond to that kind of faith. Our faith that says, if I begin to pray for my family or if I begin to pray for my city, God might move in a mighty way. He might pour out his Holy Spirit. We might see the revival that we've been looking for. If we begin to pray, we don't know what God might do, but we're believing that God will send out messengers all over this city and all over this region that everyone might get saved. That's God's heart. 
He is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance, that every person that Jesus died for, paid a price for, might have a legitimate opportunity to give themselves to the living Christ. That is our heart. That is his heart. And we share that. And so we have faith, not just to believe that it might happen somewhere someday, but we become a part of that. Faith looks like something. And Jesus sees our actions and he responds to our faith. He certainly responded to these guys. Faith for God to do something in others must grow in our hearts because it causes us to act. And the simple fact is that we, what we believe will lead us to do something and get a response from Jesus as a result of it. Jesus saw the faith of their friends. He brought forgiveness and he brought healing to a paralyzed Man, this satisfied everybody in the entire equation. Who are you believing for? Are you believing for are you believing God for others to know to know Jesus, to meet Jesus, to give their lives to Jesus? What are you believing for right now? I remember when I was leading intercession gatherings for several years. I mean, it might have been eight years, I can't remember. It was a long time, but it was every Sunday night. One night, the Lord called me to take this bowl that we had. We had this big, huge bowl. It was, it was, I don't know what was in it. Maybe it was large flowers or one of those type of bowls that you have on a stage, but it was in the back room of the previous church that I used to be a part of and I was an associate pastor at. And he, he put this in my heart, go get that bowl and I want you to pass out cards and pens to everyone tonight during the intercession gathering. We just had worship and prayer every Sunday night or every other Sunday night. So I put it in the middle of the stage. It's just like right here. It was just, you couldn't miss it. Everybody saw it. It was right there in the middle, the centrality of the entire meeting. People, people are up, up on stage, but here's this huge bowl right there. And after I introduced the night, I told everybody on the piece of paper, I want you to write out the names of people in your life that have yet to give over their lives to Jesus Christ. So we took a few moments and we, write, we wrote out these names. And I said, it's gotta be specific. It's got to be people that are in your mind right now, people that you know, people that you're burdened for. Let, let the Lord put a burden on your heart for them, that you're going to be willing to pray for them. And I want you to write their name down. And during worship, we're going to come and we're going to put, this is going to be the prayer bowl. This is going to be the bowl that fills up with incense. This is going to be the bowl that we pray over, that we see God move on all of these names that we put into this prayer bowl. Because as we pray, we believe God's going to dispatch people and messengers. He's going to send dreams and visions. God himself will commit his power to reaching people because that's what he did in Jesus Christ. The power that raised Jesus from the dead, that lives in us, that prays through us, that gives us boldness to share with other people and we're not ashamed of the gospel. That same power, we're going to pray with that power and people during worship begin to put names in. I put my names in and it was amazing. Within two weeks, we already saw two salvations. We already saw two people's names that were in that bowl already give their lives to Jesus because you know what happened? As we started to pray over those names, God began to burden us to participate in his glorious plan of bringing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the people that we love so dearly and to, be, and to rid ourselves of this inoculation that sometimes we have so easily that people should just know because of our morality, because of our goodness or of our kindness. No, people need to know the message. People need to hear the gospel. 
I have said this for as long as I've been in ministry, but you and I are not perfect people. There was only one perfect one and his name was Jesus. And sometimes we have a sentiment today and it goes like this. If you just do good works, if you're just a nice person, if you're just generous, if you just show good deeds, then people will ask you the hope that you have. Well, sometimes they won't. Sometimes people will see the imperfection in you and in me. People will see that you and I are not perfect and they need to know why we're committed to something even though we are not fully who Jesus is. They need to know the hope that we have that is found in a message and it's found in a person. And it is not found merely in all of our good deeds because we will not be perfect people. We will let people down. We will show at one time or another that our life is not perfect, that people cannot fully and completely depend on us to be that perfect person and to never make a mistake. If this plan is all dependent on you and on me, listen, we will never have perfection in this life. You and I are not going to be perfect. And thank God that he didn't just say it was up to our perfectness, that it wasn't up to our perfect witness, but it is up to the message of Jesus, the perfect one, that when we share the message, when we share the testimony of Christ with other people, something happens in the heart that is undeniable. I did not come to Christ because I saw a lot of perfect people around me that just treated me so well. I'm not saying their witness was insignificant. It is significant and it does matter. But it is not just about the witness of the lifestyle of the people that name the name of Jesus. It is about the person of Jesus. It is about the supremacy of Jesus. It is about the message of Jesus. And even though it doesn't make sense, even though it sounds like foolishness, that's what the Apostle Paul said, it's foolishness to the Gentile. It's foolishness to the Jew. It's a stumbling block to the Jew and foolishness to the Greek and to the Gentile. Why? A man that was born, the incarnation of God, that God the Son was born as a baby, vulnerable as he was, raised up among us, and ultimately, voluntarily gave his life. He lived a sinless life and he died in our place, the death that we deserve. And he rose again by the power of the Holy Spirit on the third day, proving that he was God's one and only son. It's foolishness. You cannot sell this message to people, but when you share it, something happens in the heart that is undeniable. It's like a seed, it gets planted and it starts to grow. And it gets watered and the Holy Spirit breathes life on it. Something begins to happen and we need to be reminded the enemy cannot have a voice in this one. We've got to be reminded that this message is powerful. Even though it sounds foolish to those that have turned their hearts and their ears from it, this message is powerful. And we need to be reminded that what we are carrying is the cure for spiritual cancer. We are carrying that right now. Each one of us that has the name of Jesus on our lips and the nature of Jesus in our hearts. We've got something that everyone else needs. And what we read about here is, is these people went to get their friend. They brought him to Jesus. They didn't let the obstacles stop them. They lowered their friend down. And Jesus not only forgave his sins, but healed him. Isn't this the testimony that you and I desire? It certainly is. It certainly is. As we consider our place, our position, our posture before God, let's consider this. If we're already saved, if we've already said yes to Jesus, if we already know him, we've already named his name, 
Let's just begin to think about everyone that has not. Friend, I'm not an evangelist, but I evangelize. I have a fire in my heart. I've been trained by other evangelists around us. I've been sharpened by them. I've been shaped by them. And I thank God for those that have carried the message so well. Those that have lived in such a way that like these guys, that they were willing to do sometimes the things that I wasn't willing to do. They were willing to go farther than sometimes I was willing to go. They were willing to do whatever it took because sometimes that's exactly what it takes. Let's not allow the distractions and the distortions to get us focused on other things. Let's focus on the people that Jesus died for and not just us, but those that have said, that have yet to say yes. I want a burden from the Lord to be released on our lives. I I just want that from God. I want him to show us the world the way he sees it. I want him to show us the lives of people the way that he sees them. I want him to give us his heart, the Father's heart that's full of rescue, that again and again and again, what we see and what we come back to is that in the midst of our darkness, God sent his son that the world would not be judged through him, but might be saved. This is our mission. This is our ministry. And when we bring people into the kingdom and they surrender to his lordship, we get to disciple them in the ways of the kingdom. Now being citizens of a whole nother place where we long utterly to be with the one who has shown us that he loves us even to the very end. Father, we thank you tonight. We see in our world that so many people are willing to do anything for money. They're willing to do anything for fame, fortune. Lord, we know that that's the twisting of the human soul. It's what you paid a price for to redeem us out of. And sometimes, Lord, we fail to see just how dark it really is. We can close our eyes because we're children of the light. We see the beauty of Jesus and it's enough for us. But God, it's not enough that just we are saved. It's not enough that just we have said yes. And that's what what we're trying to get at. That's the burden that you want to convey upon our hearts. We don't put our heads into the sand and act like the world does not have a real darkness. But we look up to you to realize that your light is just brighter. And Lord, I pray that you would restore our faith in the gospel message again, not just personally, but for everyone else as well. That when we think about how dark it is, when we think about how depraved that it is, when we think about how difficult that it is, I pray that in that moment, we would be reminded that the gospel is just better. Your word is truer than anything else that is being said right now. The fear that is being spread right now. The anxiety that is so real right now. All of the stories, the narratives, the things that are being said about the future, all of that is just spinning and spinning and spinning. And Lord, we don't know the future. We may not know the future of our country We may not know the future of our state, but what we do know is we know the future of our heavenly home. And I pray, God, 
that we would be people that would give our lives, that I would be a man that would give my life to help secure another place in heaven for those that are around me. That if as much as it is up to us to share, to give away what we've been given, to show the works of Jesus and to share the news of Jesus, that we would be people that say yes. Lord, tonight we put in our yes. We give it over to you. That, that knowing in and of ourselves is not enough. We want more. And we want more for everyone else. We don't want the front row seat. We want more seats for more people. We want more space. We want more place so that everyone around us can know Jesus too. I sense very strongly that the Lord would call us to pray about receiving power to be a witness. I had a vision where I saw someone that was baptized with the Holy Spirit and you began to speak in a heavenly language. You were speaking with tongues and I felt that there was almost like this discouragement or shame over someone that has sought the baptism with the Holy Spirit. You want to be empowered and maybe tongues is what you, you hung up on and you didn't understand that. And, and I just believe that the Lord can baptize you with the Holy Spirit and you can receive a heavenly language and it's not a big deal. I mean, it's a big deal that we receive it, but it's, it's not a hindrance to the Lord like it may be sometimes for us. It's not about figuring it out. It's not about intellectualism. It's not about knowing and understanding everything. These are heavenly spiritual realities that God gives to us. And sometimes... These types of things don't make sense until we begin to pray, until we begin to release the gift that God gives to us. And instead of forcing you or pushing you, what I want to do is lead you. At the end when we close in just a few moments, I want to lead you in a prayer where God will baptize you with the Holy Spirit as you receive from him, not from me, not from us, but straight from him. And he will release that heavenly language in your life. Maybe you've been seeking that. And God, I believe, will release that. This was a word that I had. And the word was clean house. I had a picture of a dresser. And uh, I saw a person just cleaning everything in their house. They were cleaning out old things, cleaning out their closet, cleaning out their garage. And there was this old dresser that had all these clothes in it. And you'd cleaned out every drawer that was in that dresser. But at the bottom of the dresser, there was this one drawer that was still filled with all of this old stuff. And it was, it was like the oldest stuff. And it, I don't even know if it was that you were intentionally trying to hold on to it, but it was still there. And this is what I felt in my heart when I saw this vision, this picture of, of a person cleaning their house and yet maybe even not trying to had left some stuff where it was. Here's what I felt like the Lord was saying, that he's going to lead you and he's gonna lead us into cleansing our house into a deep clean. That in this season of time, God wants to lead us into a level of purity that we have yet to go. He's gonna lead us into those drawers that are full of old stuff that maybe we've ignored. We've cleaned everything else out and we think, man, everything really looks clean, but there's that thing that's in that drawer, those old things that need to come out. And when, when they are out, it leaves more room and more space for something else. And God wants to clean house in our lives right now. Maybe that's you. You know that God wants to cleanse you, 
God wants to purify you and he wants to go to a deeper level. You say, well, Ben, I feel cleansed. I believe I'm pure. I believe I'm pure. I've, I believe I've done what God wanted, wanted me to do. I'm not saying you haven't. What I'm saying is there's more. And as we open our hands to the Lord, we open our heart to the Lord, God begins to clean house in a deeper way. And so I just pray over you right now. If that word is for you, receive it from him. Father, we thank you for a fresh purity to wash over our lives, that we would be free from anything that touches idolatry, that we would not be bound, that we would not be held back, that we would not be full of anything in our lives, attached to, having affection for, the things that hold us back, the things that disconnect us from you. I pray, God, right now that you would, a wave of purity would come over us and you would lead us into a new wisdom for how it is that we need to clean the house of our soul. You've delivered us. You've set us free. You've paid a true and eternal price for us to be transformed from the inside out. I pray that we wouldn't stop the process. Do your work, Holy Spirit. Do your work. Make us holy as you are holy. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. We worship you right now. We ask for holiness. Thank you, Lord. We ask for your holiness. Make us holy. I can remember when I was a youth preacher, I was on the itinerant circuit going from youth camp to youth camp preaching in all these different places. And every time... I would talk about the holiness of the Lord to young people. I would sense the glory of the Lord come. If you don't know what I mean, I'm talking about the weighty presence of God. I would sense his glory come into the room and I would see kids even just fall out under the power. Kids, kids that didn't have that experience before in their lives, they would be touched by God and he would touch them so powerfully that they would stay there and just experience him. They didn't have words for it. They didn't understand scriptures about it. They had no way to describe it, but God would touch them. And I just sense that even right now, that as we ask for God to produce a, that deeper level of holiness in us, set apart for his purposes, that we're not just satisfied by naming Christ, but wanting to be like Christ, that God is drawn towards that in such a way that we would experience his glory, the weighty presence of the Lord. Just invite his presence over your life. Invite the, the Lord to inspect you like a fruit inspector. Lord, would you just see if there be any wicked way in me as David prayed in the Psalms, if there be any wicked way in me, anything that offends you, anything that grieves your Holy Spirit, any apathy, any complacency, any lust, any envy, any pride, any jealousy, any gossip, any hate, anything, Lord, that's there that does not reflect you and that I've been harboring it or holding it or hiding it. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that, Lord, you would evict that. You would excavate my heart. Oh, God, we pray that your people, that we would be holy as you are holy. Set us apart for you and you alone. Thank you, Lord. I want to pray that God would give us the burden to see souls saved and disciples made. I want to pray that God would empower us to be his witnesses, 
that he would release the heavenly language in us, those of us that have not received the ability to speak in tongues, that God would give a fresh boldness over us. We would not be afraid. Maybe that's not been your experience, but that can change because God can do what we haven't been able to produce. And I just ask that you would join your heart with me as I pray. For all of us, I'm gonna pray that burden that God would give us that we see in the gospel that sent Jesus to the earth. Father, we thank you for that burden that you would give that to each one of us as your people. We pray, God, that you would renew our commitment to share the testimony that you saved us and you set us free. We pray, God, as we position our hearts before you that we're not gonna shy away from evangelism. We know the statistics that only 11% of Christians share their testimony or share the gospel with another person. And that's inside of two years. But Lord, we say no to that. God, we pray that all of us in one way or another, not being anybody else, not doing it like anybody else, but just being ourselves and loving people and sharing with our words what you have done for us. That we would glorify you and worship you and you would receive the fruit of our lips. Thank you, Lord, that as we praise you before men, we would be unashamed. But Lord, before we ever go do, to sh do, do something, go share something, that we would have your heart. And I pray that you would give us your heart, that you would send us, and Lord, we would not be held back anymore. Where there's that mute button that's been pressed over our mouth, some of us are gonna get our voice back right now. I just prophesy over someone right now, God's gonna give you your voice back. Your voice has been taken. Somebody took your voice from you. They made you feel insignificant. They put you down. They made you feel like you have nothing to say, like you're not smart and you don't need to contribute. Nobody listens to you. We break that lie over you right now in Jesus' name and we prophesy to you that God is going to give you your voice back, your voice to sing, your voice to praise, your voice to share, your voice to speak up and to speak out that nobody has the power to label any of us other than our heavenly father. So we ask the Lord, give us your heavenly burdens as we talk about evangelism. We draw towards you and we say, what do you have for us? Holy Spirit, pour out your presence upon each one of us right now. And I also pray for the baptism with the Holy Spirit. I pray in every home right now that even our children, Lord, you would pour out your Holy Spirit on us pour out your Holy Spirit upon our homes, that our sons and daughters would prophesy, that our young men would dream dreams and our old men would see visions, and even on your bond slaves, both male and female, that they shall prophesy. We ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit, that we would see a revival again in our day, and it would happen because we see an, a mighty outpouring. Oh God, we pray in Jesus' name that you would baptize us fresh with the power of God. I pray for every person that's been asking to speak in tongues, to pray in a spiritual language. I pray that they would release that even right now. Maybe right now you're in front of people, you're uncomfortable. And if that's the case, that you would go into another room before you go to bed and you would begin to pray what comes to your mind. And just like a child that just begins to speak something out, it come, a phrase comes to your mind, a syllable comes to your mind, and you pray out what God puts in. You pray out what God puts in. God will put it there, but he doesn't force us. He doesn't make us. As we begin to pray out in the spirit, 
we will find that God will develop a beautiful language and it causes a, a boldness in prayer. It causes a hunger that God alone begins to stir in our hearts. And we thank you, Lord, for that right now. I pray for all of my friends seeking not just the baptism with the Holy Spirit, but also to speak in a heavenly language. I pray over them right now that they would access that heavenly language, that we would all pray in the Spirit and not be ashamed. It's not weird. It's not strange. It's amazing and it's beautiful. And you give it to us. So I pray for that tonight over my friends and over our church. We love you tonight and we thank you, Lord. Would you lead us in this season to a prayer movement that releases a voice of evangelism all over this region like a mighty echo that started 2,000 years ago. Use us. Let us participate in this work that you are doing and lead us as we go. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Today, Pastor Ben has encouraged us to receive from Jesus and then share that with others. Now is a perfect time to start. So what does this look like? Well, fortunately, that's where God steps in and gives power, passion, faith, and whatever else it takes to bring people to himself. In the upcoming weeks, Pastor Ben will be sharing more and more about what it looks like to bring others to Jesus in his new series, Evangelism is for Everyone. To subscribe to our podcast and order Pastor Ben's book, Hearing God, head to our website, igniteglobalradio.org. And be sure to join us each Sunday at 11 a.m. for the radio ministry of Ignite Global Radio as Pastor Ben continues to bring truth, encouragement, and strength in these interesting times. Now, once again, here he is encouraging us to go all in. As we look at our topic today, the real question in the midst of all of this is how far are we willing to go? And this is directly connected to our purpose, how we see our life, what our life is truly about. You know, I was just driving with my wife the other day, and I was just telling her that when our highest priority and our highest value is to bring people to Christ, there's just nothing you won't do. How much money do you need to give or how much time or how much of yourself do you need to give away or or what is it that God would call us to be a part of? How can we go about bringing people to Christ? There are so many things that we're willing to do because that is our greatest priority. And this message called Whatever It Takes, that's the whole point of everything here is, is that desperate times call for desperate measures. And we have to see that there is great need. It's not that people are better people and they know better and they're a little bit smarter and they're a little bit nicer. People are lost. People are dying. People are going to an eternity without God. And for us as Christians who know something they don't know, have something they don't have, we've got to be willing to do what it takes to bring people to Jesus and Jesus to people. And we see that in this story. We see that there are people and there have been people throughout history that were willing to give it all so that people might come to the Christ that they found. There's also a parable in the scriptures that really talk about finding the kingdom of heaven. It's like the pearl of great price. And a comment that I've said for years is, have you found something in Jesus that's worth giving everything for? And when I say worth giving everything for, worth giving your time away to helping other people find the pearl of great price. Well, friends, that's what the question is today. We've got to become people who will do whatever it takes to bring people to Jesus and Jesus to people.
You've been listening to Ignite Global Radio, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon, the lead pastor of Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way. As you can tell, he has a passion for biblical truth, real discipleship, and empowered living. For Pastor Ben and the entire staff here at Ignite, thanks for listening. And be sure to join us next week for the next part in a series, Evangelism is for Everyone, The Gospel Message. Ignite is a ministry of Northwest Foursquare Church.